0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Resurrected Fitness podcast. Uh, today, we're going through another Q&A asked by, provided by you Ball. Uh, and I will be kind of answering to the best of my ability. And again, if anything doesn't make sense, uh, please just send me a message on Instagram or leave a comment on the YouTube video of this podcast and let me know if I can further explain or if you have a different opinion. I'd love to go over it with you. Uh, so first of all, first question, how does alcohol affect our training? Alcohol is an interesting topic amongst uh, the fitness community when it comes to consumption and performance and moderation. I think alcohol should be consumed in moderation if it's a part of your life. Me personally, I don't drink. I might have a sip every now and again, but it just doesn't necessarily interest me. If it does, for some people, alcohol is very interesting. It's very fun to be a part of and to drink um so how do we fit that into a a regimen that keeps you on track towards your goals um i alcohol alcohol so we look at fats proteins and carbs so fats and proteins fats have nine calories per gram Uh, carbs and proteins have four calories per gram alcohol has seven calories per gram uh, the thing about alcohol though is that it's not providing necessarily nutritional value. Um, a lot of the, the alco- or the ca- calories that come from alcohol are in carbs. Uh, so you know I've had cases with clients where they wanted a glass of wine which can be measured and fit into their daily plan. And does alcohol does not have to be separate from your plan. It can't be this, doesn't have to be this all or nothing approach to to drinking alcohol of, uh, you know, I have to go off track to have a drink and have some fun. That's not true. We can have a drink and it still hit our plan at the end of the day. So I might, you know, pull off say 20 carbs to fit in that glass of wine at the end of the night uh, and just kind of have that in reserve. Is it always going to be hundred percent accurate? Probably not, but that's also okay. The main thing is, are we being consistent? Um, how does it affect our training from a psychological standpoint? If it helps you, if it's a social event, and it helps you to be a part of it and to fit in some sort of alcohol, and that does well for you emotionally and provides you uh, just more stability in that that realm. Then that's okay. So I would say it has a positive effect on training from the performance standpoint. Physically, it could be. Uh, More so the other way, when I'm looking at, if I've got a hard leg session, say Saturday morning, Friday night, I want to make sure I'm getting carbs from whole food sources. uh, So I'm ready to go in the morning, not, you know, having drank my calories and put myself at a disadvantage from a fuel standpoint. So from liver glycogen and muscle glycogen, alcohol is not really going to provide the best value, but how does it affect training? it's contextual i'd say it really depends on where it stands in your life how much do you drink how much do you need if it's a small amount i wouldn't say it has much effect at all uh so next question how much fruit is too much from a sugar standpoint how does that affect losing body fat so the thing with fruit fruit is demonized in in modern culture uh fruit is a very good thing though. Um, sugar is not necessarily a bad thing itself either. And so like I might have my post workout meal includes chocolate cereal that has upwards of 40 grams of sugar. seems like a lot of sugar, but nothing's wrong with it. Um, it's natural sugar and it tastes great. When we're looking at how much we have to look at side effects, side effects is too much sugar might be acne, uh, more stress, harder time going to sleep. And we start to see negative effects of things. That's what we can, it's a, it's a good signal from our body saying, Hey, maybe we're having a little too much here. So, uh, the thing with fruit though, however, uh, we look at how much fruit we should have, that would be dependent on a couple of things. So fruit primarily is going to be a soluble source of fiber. So it's insoluble insoluble, soluble, Helps the formation of the stool, insoluble helps the passing of the stool. So we do need a good blend. If we're having too much of one, we're gonna see a harder time maybe getting the stool out. uh, and then or if we have too much of the other, we're gonna see like diarrhea and broken stool. And so, like for me, I might have say I have two bananas a day. I found that three is too much. I have a lot of carbs to fill in throughout the day. Three is a little too much for me. I can't handle all of that fiber from fruit, so I replace that with more rice. Rice is not fibrous at all. So it, it would really depend. Uh, I know some people that have upwards of 100 grams of sugar, some people that have very little sugar, natural sugar is not a bad thing. Uh, i wouldn't suggest sugars from twinkies and you know hostess cakes and that kind of thing it's not necessarily of any value but sugars that are in foods that do provide a lot of value and good fuel there's nothing wrong with that uh, so the best thing to do is to monitor your fiber intake uh, you know 20 to 30 grams is a good starting place to look for make sure it's a good blend of both not straight because if you're eating straight fruit and no veggies probably going to have some adverse effects in your stool. It's going to come out in uh, GI irritation, but monitor how your body is responding to the volume of fruit you're having. And if it's too much, then pull back and see if it feels any better. Maybe increase veggie intake, definitely increase hydration, taking a lot of fiber is going to be best matched with plenty of hydration. So hopefully that helps. Um, how does it affect losing body fat? It's it, a lot of it's going to come down to calories in versus calories out. And that's not the whole equation. That is not what I'm saying, but we want to look at uh, the foras, not so much the weeds. So if we're, if, we're, if we are hitting every other marker, of good sleep, good stress management, uh, our diet is on point and we are hitting a slight caloric deficit and our body was in a position to do so from a cortisol standpoint and just lifestyle factors and we're good to go into deficit, sugar is not going to be the the determining factor of, am I going to lose weight? Uh, as long as it's coming from whole sources, it's not, I would say it's definitely a weed in a very big forest. Uh, so that's kind of my take on it. Uh, next question, how do I know how much protein, fat and carbs to consume when training? So, the best thing to do, um, I would outsource to a coach like myself or someone else uh, that has a pretty good background in what they're doing. But what do I look for? So first, I want to look for what you are currently doing. Um, what, how much protein are you currently taking in? how many fats and carbs are you currently taking in? And are these things best performing, which are helping to feel what you're doing and what you want to do? And so from a, a carbohydrate standpoint fuel our training is going to be heavily fueled by carbs, nothing wrong with it. So, and, and fats, fats are a a resting state energy source. Carbs are an active state energy source and protein is more like the building blocks to new fibers. And so, and protein also is the hardest macro to digest, takes the most energy. And then it provides a lot of satiety, uh, which is why you have maybe a large chicken breast, you find yourself not very hungry for a while. It just, it holds people over very well. Protein, high protein does that. So having high protein for people, I say a lot of clients want to come in and want to lose some body fat, making sure protein is high will help retain and build muscle in the process, especially if they're new, harder to do so if you are not new to training, but maintaining high levels of protein, and that's just dependent on this relative to the person's male or female, uh, and weight and height essentially is to how much. So for myself, I'm 188 pounds and I eat about 220 grams of protein a day. That's prescribed by my coach. I have women who are 5'5", 130 pounds. I eat about 130 grams of protein and where I might make a jump, say if their performance drops, what I might do is pull their protein down add some more carbs in same calories, just different split. They might feel a little better and it might help because that amount of protein, that's about one pound per body weight um, per pound of body weight. is just fine. We're going to retain just fine. So it really is monitoring what they were currently doing, adjusting those ratios and watching the body respond and adjusting from there further. Uh, Contextually, it's hard to say because it it really comes down to the individual uh, what they were previously doing and how they adjust to new ratios of, those macros so the next question is which a lot of you might relate to someone with a moderate social life and consistent nine to five what's a good recovery routine so the best thing for recovery is whatever you can do consistently um nine to five you know, we say we're looking for eight hours of sleep what does that put you at so you need to get up at seven puts you at about 11 p.m bedtime which is still later than most uh, If you don't need to be up that early or if you need to be up earlier, just cut it back a little further. So find something that you can do consistently, create moderation and don't build your schedule so full that you can't create moderation. So whether that's with group events, social events, uh, obligations through church or work or friends or family, create room for yourself to be able to be consistent. So a routine would be having a morning routine, a nighttime routine, so to say the past hour, hour and a half of your of your day, get away from screens, journal, talk to your spouse and have a conversation that's going to release emotions and help you get out of a state of maybe potentially thinking about things through the night uh, just get it all out. And so from a recovery standpoint, the best thing I would say is something you can do consistently. So if 11 p.m. is more realistic than 9 p.m., do 11 p.m., but make sure it's a consistent amount of sleep. If we find that we're not recovering all that well in some areas, we need to look at, well, how's our diet and how's our stress and see what areas might need a little more regulation and consistency. Um, And so the next question, of the different training styles, why did I choose bodybuilding? My throat is getting quite dry right now and I'm not sure why but for me why did I choose bodybuilding uh, I used to be into functional training quite a bit There's a guy named Marcus Philly on Instagram who was a big inspiration for me just watching him be super lean and move the way he did was incredible for a young mind like myself and as I got further along I started to seek after optimization. And I came across my current mentor, Luke Miller at No Switch Fitness, who guided me in understanding what's optimal for the goal. And so, excuse me, I'll take another drink of water. Loud swallower. But most people come to me and come into the fitness in general, looking to either build muscle and lose some body fat and or both. And so from an aesthetic standpoint, what does that the do best, in my opinion, bodybuilding, creating stable environments to isolate different muscle groups and expend energy in areas we need to and recover even harder. Um, things like CrossFit can be good to an extent, and they can be great for community and great for even great for aesthetic. But do I think it's best? No, I do think stable environments that movements for movements that everyone can generally um, perform like i can't perform uh, a barbell snatch my shoulder mobility is horrific so and is that matching an aesthetic goal is there enough isolation to create that response uh not necessarily not in my opinion and from this anecdote it doesn't seem to be true and hold truth to it um So bodybuilding provides an opportunity to create optimization for the goal at hand, which generally for whatever reason, vain or not is aesthetic goals. People want to look better and feel better generally actually comes second. And I think, I think I know bodybuilding and the style of it provides both. Is it functional? Uh, what that means, everything, every exercise is functional for the goal at hand whatever that goal is. Uh, And so what I would say to that is if like, if you want to get better at carrying groceries then carry more groceries, practice that. Um, But if you want to build chiseled shoulders, then we're gonna need to match match that with exercises that do that best. Uh, A snatch doesn't do that as well as, let's say a lateral raise with a cable. And is it as fun to me? I think so. Uh, Knowing you are working towards exactly what you're wanting and being efficient at it becomes a very fun process. And being able to drive uh, a lot of force and effort into something without—and for me especially, having gone through multiple surgeries—things um, that functional functional training provide, I can't do. Back squatting can't do. Deadlifting, working towards it takes a lot out of me, though. Usually creates a lot of sciatic issues in my back again. So bodybuilding gives me an opportunity to exert and push myself as hard as I can in a safe environment. And I think it does that for a lot of people as well. A lot of my clients, and uh, we can mitigate injuries pretty well that way. Um, and if I can't do certain movements, I'm going to have a hard time teaching other people to do those same movements. So that's just my standpoint on bodybuilding and why I am a part of it. Next question. Is there a target heart rate you should aim for when training? This is a good question. Um, this is also contextual. I wouldn't put a number on this. I would say look at your resting heart rate and see what you are when you train. And as the the more advanced and better, you recover, you get better, more better. You recover the more advanced you get as you train and get into that further training age. Ideally your resting heart rate will become lower and your heart rate during training will also lower. Uh, It's creating resistance and tolerance to the activity and what you are repetitively doing. Um, There are some extremes, like I would say like a 180, if you're having a 180 heart rate on some bicep curls, that's probably a little high. Um, For me, I might average between 100 and 120 on a lifting session. I've also been lifting for about six years and my resting heart rate, I'm also 23, my resting heart rate's 49. 49 beats per minute, which is not fast at all. So my training heart rate will also be relatively lower to some of the people. If your resting heart rate is 60 or 70, your training heart rate is probably going to be a little higher. So I would say it's just relative. If it's causing issues too much with breathing where it's two or three minutes past between a set and you can't recover, then I would say that might be an issue um, and something to dive into a little bit further. But uh, next question, should you focus more on weight training or the diet aspect of things i would say this is a very even split and they're both equally as important you will not achieve the goal you're looking for without taking care of the other areas of your life outside of the training session Uh, from my experience people don't have a hard time showing up to work out it's more so the after effects of I want to go home and I'm not going to eat what I need to fuel what I'm doing I'm not going to get the sleep I need I'm not going to mitigate stress but you come up to you show up to work out each day you don't get anywhere and you're wondering what's going on it's like well there's say you're working out four hours a week that's four hours a week out of 168 I believe that's not a lot Uh, we have a lot of the rest of the day to take care of ourselves and most importantly what we are putting into our own bodies to fuel the results we're looking for so You know, something, a mantra you could live by in training is to train hard, sleep and recover harder. Now we can only train as hard as we recover and diet and nutrition is a huge part of that recovery process, as well as the fueling process for the training itself. So I would give, I would treat them one in the same. If we want one, we're going to have to have the other Uh, diet with is usually the, main limiting factor for a lot of clients that I've worked with is showing up to working out usually not it going home and eating what you're supposed to and taking care of your body generally is the biggest struggle and that's why we lack uh, results and adherence is when you're not seeing change you're going to to continue to fall off and not do what was asked and creates a repetitive cycle so they are very much equally as important. And so, our final question: How much progress do you lose when taking a week off? So, and this is also contextual, depending on how hard that week off was. If you're just taking a week off, if say you're, you know, eating the same, following your numbers on your rest days, sleeping well, you're just taking a whole week off. I would argue, I think research would back me up on this, that you don't lose any progress from a physical standpoint you might find it harder to hit the same weights that you were hitting the week before but not by much sip of water incoming you know i had surgery in january and i was out of the gym i was out of hard training for about five weeks and uh some some of my movements i came back and hit the same weights on and it, it, it's a really it's a testament to consistency. Uh, say you've been consistent in your training and your lifestyle surrounding that training for a year, and you have to take a week off. A week compared to a year is a very small amount of time. So, as easy as it is to get out of track to say you worked out for a week and then you took a year off, the most consistent the most consistent result will be with the most consistent thing you did, which was taking time off. So you're going to reap the benefits or the results of taking time off, uh, from, you know, not benefits necessarily, but gaining body fat and things you didn't want. So if you're training for a year and managing all that really well, and then you take a week off that week is very small in comparison to that past year. And so your consistency of what you've done will pay off. And I would argue that you don't lose anything in that week, uh, and, That actually concludes today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, please like, comment, and subscribe and share with your friends. And if you'll have any more questions, please, please, please drop them below. Send me a message. Do whatever you need. Or if you'd like to have a conversation and disagree with me, I'm also down for that. Uh, Otherwise, I will talk to you all soon.